Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, we continue in our series in the book of Joshua. Last week, we learned how God charged Joshua to be strong and courageous, commanding him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And God promised Joshua that he will be with him every step of the way. And now, as Joshua assumes command, he sent two men to go ahead into Canaan to spy the land and the city of Jericho the first city they will be facing as they conquer the promised land. And I don't know about you, but usually when we talk about spying, we understand it as infiltrating the enemy camp and gathering insider information so as to gain an advantage over the enemy, whether through sabotage or by developing a plan to capitalize on the enemy's weakness. It is like an initial blow against the enemy. At least, that's what I gather from my vast experience of observing and watching James Bond movies and Mission Impossible. But what we will learn from our passage today is that somebody beat the Israelites to it. When they spied into Jericho, there was already an agent working there against their enemy. And they found out that in the theological sense, the battle has already been won. And this came from a most unusual source, a prostitute named Rahab. So now let us open our Bibles together and listen to her story in Joshua chapter 2. We'll be reading the whole chapter from verse 1 to 24. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 to 24. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the man who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the man came to me, but I did not know where they, came, where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the man went out. I do not know where the man went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But... She had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the man pursued after them on the way to the Jordan, as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the man lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God... He is the God in the heavens and above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, 
you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the man said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned, that afterward you may go your way. The man said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes up to the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. May God bless the reading of his word. This story is very familiar to many of us and one of my personal favorites in the Bible. I love it because it unravels the magnificence of God's plans and displays his providence and mercies not only toward Israel, but also to others, to outsiders, to the greatest of sinners like us. By choosing an idolatrous prostitute to be the heroine of this story, God wants to teach the Israelites and us today that there is no heart that God can't reach, there is no soul that God can't save, and there is no life that God can't use. Again, there is no heart that God can't reach, there is no soul that God can't save, and there is no life that God can't use. So why don't we dive into the story of Rahab? And as we do, may we reflect on our own stories and remember how God reached us, how God saved us, and how God is using us in His kingdom. Us, worthless sinners, and also how He can do the same to others. The first part of the story tells of the prostitute's protection. It narrates how God used a Canaanite, a supposed enemy, and a prostitute, one of society's despised profession, to protect his own people. You see, the Israelite spies were amateurs. 
at least in my eyes. Aspire your number your number one priority and job is not to be identified as a spy or be caught spying. But as they infiltrated the city of Jericho, there was already a report to the king that there are Israelite spies going through the land. And what was worse is that the king was already informed where they were staying, which is in the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Now, the Bible didn't say why they ended up in the house of a prostitute in the first place. You might assume that the spies here were up to no good. But it is also possible that Rahab's house also doubled as an inn for travelers. So it would make sense that they stayed there. The Bible was careful to avoid us thinking any other malicious reason for it. In fact, I believe the narrative wants us to believe that they were exactly where they are supposed to be because of what happened next. Because when the king sent city guards to demand Rahab to surrender the Israelite spies who were plotting against their city, she misled them to thinking that she has no idea they were enemy spies and they had already escaped the city. When in fact, she knew They were enemy spies, and she hid them on her roof. And the city guards believed her, and they tried to pursue the spies to the River Jordan. And why wouldn't they believe her? Why wouldn't they believe her? Why would she try to help the enemy who are a threat to her own life, her family, and her own people? Now, this deception of Rahab has been a source of many discussions among Christian circles. Was her lying to protect the Israelite spies deserving of praise, or was it one to be condemned? Of course, we know that lying is lying, whatever your intentions may be. And lying is a sin, and any sin are to be condemned and not to be condoned. As a follower of Christ, that is what we need to understand. But as we go back to the text, you won't find a single comment on Rahab's lie, which even though we know that her, life was, uh, that her lie was a sin, we need to understand that that is not the focus of the story. The lie was simply how she did what she did. And what she clearly did was she protected God's people, her enemies. And what she did was honored in the history books of Israel and throughout the scriptures. In Hebrew 11 verse 31, it says, By Rahab, the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had, a, give, she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here we see that there's no one God can't use to fulfill his glorious plan. God can use anyone to execute his plans. He used a runaway prince like Moses to lead the Israelites. He used pagan nations like Assyria and Babylon to discipline his own people. He used a pagan king, King Cyrus, to bring them back to their land. He used ordinary fishermen like Peter, James, and John to lead his church. 
he used a devout Pharisee, a persecutor of the church, Paul, to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. Just as he used a helpless, idolatrous prostitute to hide and protect his spies. You see, God can use each one of us because there is no life that God can't use for his kingdom. Now, as I was preparing this message, one issue suddenly came to my mind, which is the accusation against Pastor Ravi Zacharias, his alleged sexual misconduct with some of his employees. Some of you may have heard this story already, and I don't know about you, but my heart broke when I heard this news. Now, I'm not going to comment regarding the issue, but I'm going to share my own reflection about God with regards to this issue and in relation to our passage today. My reflection is that if God can use a sinner like Pastor Ravi to defend the faith and bring the gospel to thousands, then imagine what God can do with a life that is fully devoted and pleasing to Him. Imagine what God can do with a life that is fully devoted and pleasing to Him. I want to be clear that I'm not disregarding sin. Sin is sin, and it is wrong and must be condemned and avoided at all costs. But you see, even our sin cannot stop God from using us in fulfilling His glorious plan to bring all creation back to Himself because there is no life that God can't use. And this should not give us an excuse to sin. Ay, okay lang mag-sin, kaya pare pala gamitin ni God. No. This should energize us to live holy lives. Because as I've said, imagine what God can do with a life that is fully devoted and pleasing to Him. And even if we struggle with our sins, and who doesn't, everyone does, it does not give us the excuse to sit ourselves out from God's plan because there is no life God cannot use, and He can use you and me. Listen to what our Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Brothers and sisters, do not be surprised if you are to be used by God. And do not shy away because there is no heart that God can't reach, there is no soul that God can't save, and there is no life God can't use. Now that we understand that, let us ask the more important question. Why did Rahab do what she did? Why did she help the Israelite spies her own enemies, her, her supposed executors to escape. Let's read jo Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. It says, Before the men lay down, she came up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. 
After misleading the city guards, Rahab went to the spies and made this profession. And when I say profession, not, it's not a job, but it's a confession of her faith. His, her profession what, tells us what is happening here. And what we learn is that Rahab has a change of heart. No, I don't mean she miraculously became morally good. No. But instead, what I mean is that she changed her allegiance. She wasn't rooting for her home team anymore. She wanted to side herself on the winning team. She is now risking her life for the winning side, on God's side. Well, who wouldn't want to side on a winning team, especially when your life is on the line? But Rahab siding with the winning side was not the surprising part. The surprising part is that Rahab, a prostitute who worshipped idols all her life, knew which side was the winning side. And what is more surprising is that she told them the same words that God told Joshua in chapter 1 verse 3, that he has already given all the land to the Israelites. Then she enumerates to the spies everything he had heard about them and how their God opened the sea for them and helped them destroy two other city. Now this must have come as a surprise to the spies. For Rahab didn't witness these things with her eyes. She probably only heard these news and gossips from other travelers passing their city. And yet, she and her people knew that they were doomed. That, that is probably why the king of Jericho was so concerned about the spies. Indeed, it was true what Moses sang in his songs in Exodus 15, verse 14 to 15. Read about this. The people have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Felicia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Remember, this is from Exodus, four books before Joshua. And the great irony here is as pagans and idolaters trembled and have their hopes melted as they heard how the Lord has shown His power, still, the first generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt, who witnessed with their own eyes His great power, failed to trust and fear God. Pagan people feared God. His people didn't trust Him. And the greatest of all of, all of Rahab's profession is found in chapter 2, verse 11, saying, As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is the God in heavens above and on the earth beneath. With this, Rahab professed that the Lord, the God of the Israelites, Yahweh, is the one true God. And His uh, her profession was the same truth Moses commanded the Israelites to understand. Back into Deuteronomy 4, verse 3 to 9, it says, Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord your God in heaven, 
um, is in, uh, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. With this, Rahab professed that the Lord Yahweh, the, uh, the Yahweh is God. And it came out from the mouth of Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute. And because of her protection and profession of who God is, the Israelites were convinced that God has truly given the land of Canaan over to them, as we see at the end of the chapter. You see, even, even before the Israelites reached the land of Canaan, the Lord has already reached the heart of this Canaanite prostitute. He has already been working in her life. And despite her unfavorable profession as a prostitute, her profession of who God is was proof that she was favored by God. And what we see here is the truth, that there is indeed no heart that God cannot reach. You know, this reminds me of my life before I became a Christian. I was born in a non-Christian family who went to temples occasionally and went to Mass during Christmas. I wouldn't say my life was a great miraculous transformation because I was not a bad kid, at least according to my mom and my teachers. But I would say that I was far away from God because I remember at one point in my life, I was desperately trying to get on God's good side. I remember asking one of our helpers to get me a rosary so I can pray to God. And no one in my family went in a Christian school, but somehow I ended up at Hope Christian High School, where I eventually came to know Jesus. And when I think about these things, I can't imagine ending up right here in front of you and talking to you about Jesus. Because growing up, I never knew him. And yet, I am here telling you that there is no heart God cannot reach because he has reached mine and my mom's and my sister's. Some of you might have been born in a Christian family and can't remember when God reached your heart. But you know, you can still be thankful. Be thankful that God has already reached your family and your heart even before you were born. Or some of you might have been praying every day for your parents, your siblings, your husband, your wife, your friends, your colleagues, or even your enemies to come to faith for a very long time. Don't lose hope because as we hear of Rahab's story and reflect on our own stories, we realize there is no heart God cannot reach. And since there's also, and since there's also no life that God cannot use, God will probably use you to reach out to them. Only be ready and be willing. Be strong and courageous. So brothers and sisters, let us remind ourselves how God reached our hearts, even if we were the least or the greatest of all sinners. And be grateful every day. And let us continue to pray to God to reach the hearts of others, because there is no heart God can't reach, there is no soul God can't save, and there is no life God can't 
use. After she professed her faith in the Lord, Rahab told the spies her true intent. She wants her and her family be shown mercy when the Lord gives the city to the Israelites. Let's look at our Bibles in Joshua 12, verse 13. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. What we read here is Rahab requesting for an assurance of salvation from the coming onslaught that is to befall her city. She wants her and her family to be spared by the Israelites when they invade the city as a sort of payment for the kindness she has shown them. And the spies agreed to deal kindly and faithfully with her. Now, if you have read through the two books before Joshua, which are the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy, the response of the Israelite spies should come as a surprise to you. Because in both books, God commanded the Israelites that when they entered the promised land, they should commit everything and everyone to destruction. It is said here in Deuteronomy 7 verse 2, And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Yet we read here, the two spies showed mercy to Rahab and made some sort of a covenant, of an agreement with her. Now, you might think that God is too harsh to order the complete destruction of Canaan, even women and children. But you need to understand that this was God's judgment against the idolatrous and sinful ways of the Canaanites. Their idolatrous culture was so despicable that they even offered their own children to their idols. And not only is their complete destruction a judgment against them for their sins, but also to serve as a protection to the Israelites so that they will not be influenced by the same idolatrous ways of the Canaanites when they settle in the land. But let me also note the truth that the Israelites and us were no better than the Canaanites. We, were as sinful, we are as sinful as them. And if you continue to read through Joshua and the succeeding books, you will learn that the Israelites did violate this command by God many times when they spared their enemies and took their idols. And these were negatively noted in the book of Joshua. And in effect, it haunted the Israelites as they settled in the land afterwards, as you will read recorded in the history of Israel, with the exception of one, their arrangement with Rahab. Now, does this tell us that God is double standard or inconsistent? No. Instead, this emphasizes the gracious character of God and the fact that God's judgment against the Canaanites was not one of ethnicity, but of allegiance to the one true God. They were not being punished for being Canaanites, no, but because of their idolatrous ways. And God shows mercy 
to those who genuinely repent and genuinely trust in Him. This displays the truth that there is no soul that God cannot save. There is no soul that God cannot forgive. And so, the spies instructed Rahab to tie the scarlet cord which they used to climb down the city walls. They told her that when the Israelite army invades her city and sees this cord, they will spare all those who are inside her house. You know, this in many ways mirrored the events of the Passover where the Israelites are to put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts so that as God's Spirit brings judgment over Egypt, He will pass over the Israelite houses through which the blood of the lamb is painted and their firstborn are spared, which we all learned is a foreshadowing of the events of the cross. That scarlet cord is the symbol that God has shown mercy and has saved Rahab and her family from his judgment. And indeed, Rahab's family was saved from the destruction of Jericho because four chapters later, we see in Joshua 6 verse 25, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You see, indeed, Rahab is the living proof that there is no soul God cannot save. Even the worst of sinners are given mercy when they genuinely put their faith in Him. And this is true until today. One of my favorite plays that I've watched here in UECP was, was the musical entitled Rahab. In that reimagination of Rahab's story, they showed a moving dramatization of her struggle as a woman brought up in idolatry and sin, having probably forced to sacrifice many of her babies to their idols. And with this tremendous tremendous grief and fear waiting to explode inside of her, she mustered the courage to ask the spies as they were on their way down through the scarlet cord. Rahab asked, Will Yahweh, your God, require me to sacrifice my children to Him? And one of the spies calmly answered, No. And he told Rahab, in fact, I believe that if our God has a son, he will be the one to sacrifice his only son for you. Brothers and sisters, until today, remembering this line, this scene, makes me tear up. Because it is true. Our God, our God, sacrificed his one and only son to save all of us. For just as Rahab's scarlet cord is a symbol of her salvation, our symbol for our salvation is the cross of Christ, where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God's only Son, died and shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And the proof of our salvation is His empty grave where our Lord has risen to assure all those who genuinely believe in Him 
those who puts their trust, their allegiance in Him, that they will receive eternal life. Indeed, brothers and sisters, there is no soul God cannot save because He already paid the price of salvation through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is a great, 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 and more great grandson of Rahab as recorded in Matthew chapter 1. And Jesus' life is a life perfectly devoted and pleasing to God. And so through Him, God was able to do the greatest rescue in human history, rescuing humanity from sin and death. See what God can do to a life fully devoted and pleasing to Him? So, friends and family who are joining us in today's worship, if you haven't experienced yet the saving power of our Lord, let Jesus save you by accepting Him genuinely in your heart as your Lord and Savior. In Romans 10 verse 9, Paul tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here is your chance. Do not let this opportunity pass. Let Jesus, our Lord and Savior, save you by receiving Him in your heart. Indeed, it is true that there is no soul that God can't save through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, may Rahab's story be a source of a source of reminder and encouragement to all of us that there is no heart that God cannot reach, there is no soul God cannot save, and there is no life that God cannot use. For that is what he did through Rahab the prostitute, and that is what he did for all of us through his son Jesus Christ. Indeed, there is no heart God cannot reach. There is no soul God cannot save. And there is no life God cannot use. And he did it all by giving his only son, Jesus Christ. Now my question to you, will you let Jesus touch your heart? Will you let Jesus save your soul? And will you let Jesus use your life? I hope you will. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks for today. We thank you for using the life of Rahab to remind us an important lesson. That Lord, there is no heart you cannot reach. There is no soul you cannot save. And there is no life you cannot use for your kingdom. So Lord, it is our prayer that you will use us to reach others. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell them that there is salvation through your Son, through our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you will give us strength and courage to move in the days ahead, knowing that you are in control and that you are all-powerful and you are mighty to save. For those among you who wants to receive Jesus in your life and be saved by God, 
you can pray this prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I cannot save myself. But Lord, I have heard the good news that you are the God who saves. There is no soul you cannot save. And I want you to save my life from my sin. Lord, I accept your son, Jesus Christ, in my life as Lord and Savior. I know what he did for me on the cross to pay for my sin. And Lord, I put him in my heart as my Lord and Savior. Save me from my sin and give me eternal life just as you have promised. And I submit my life to yours and to yours alone. Lord, indeed, it is good to have you as our God. For, Lord, you have touched all of our hearts. You have saved our souls. And you are using us for your glory. And we thank you. This is our prayer. In the mighty name of our Savior, our King, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.